0: That last song in worship brings back a lot of memories for me. Uh, Most people here, I think, know this. But uh, uh, prior to Ignition, um, I was worship leader for 15 years at three different churches. And uh, uh, the... Longest of that being, basically twelve years, or almost—I think it was eleven or twelve years—before ignition started. That was one of the absolute joys of my life, and and I remember when God called me into the pastorate, thinking, "Oh Lord, can can I do that like on the side or something?" Because I I don't want to I don't want to stop leading worship. It just it is the most precious thing to me. And I remember his response, which at the time, I like I, I am always believing him, but you know how you have to believe him without feeling it sometimes. That's what it was. He just said, trust me. He said, I, I will burn a passion in you for speaking. And he has. But I remember when that, I can't remember, and Josh, you might remember better than me, but I can't remember if it was when that song came out. That's Hillsong United, right? Yeah. When that song came out or, or if it was when I finally realized that it came out. Whatever it was, first time I heard it, I fell in love with the song. And it shows how much I'm up with the times. Right, Isaac? You're hip. I'm hip. I have two hips. Yes. Anyways, um, I remember when it came out, it impacted me so heavy, because even at the time, and I don't know how long ago this was, this had to be, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, maybe, maybe even longer when it came out. Um, But I remember the impact it had on me then, not just that it's a great song and, and all this, but that it was declarative in nature. I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew that when I sang it and I stood and I spoke those words, I knew they better come from my heart or I would be singing a lie. And it did. It came from my heart. I I remember at the time thinking, "I, I don't even care if other people don't stand because where I was leading worship was in a church that, That didn't, it wasn't real expressive in their worship. (laughs) We'll leave it at that. I mean, they stood, and that was awesome. You might get a hand up here and there, but I just remember feeling this, this intensity inside me that if I don't declare this from a base of truth in my own life, then I'm just living a lie. And and it just it just became almost an anthem for me, and <laughs> I remember the worship team. There were two songs that that we used to play, and and you know, in in retrospect, um, you know, somebody who who like analyzes all this stuff can maybe say we overplayed them because it was like every week. This was one of them, and the other one was uh, oh. The name just flipped my mind, lost my mind. Break every chain. Break every chain. Thank you. See clearly. They they know. <laughs> Those two things. I, I remember even one time um, we we uh, we had a band and that's why I refer to Josh because he has a much better memory than me. Um, we had a band and we were we were playing at a church one time and. And and he the the pastor said I need you to you know go up and do the altar call. Uh, we were the worship team that night, and um, and and so I told the team Let, let's do break every chain, you because know, we we know that one real well, and and it's a phenomenal song. I think we did that for twenty five or thirty minutes, right, Josh? Yeah, I, I mean it just and it was phenomenal. It was so good. But these, this song in particular, I wanted to mention because your life, what you say, what you feel, what you believe, what you declare is critical. What comes out of your mouth, guess what? You may not even believe it, but it doesn't mean that it's not going out into the atmosphere as your words, because it is. That's why the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Right? Because God wants us to say what we believe, mean what we say, and leave it at that. It's a part of faith. It is literally the stepping out and acting through a faith that he expects from us rather than just saying, I believe. It's the follow through of that. Before we get going here, let's pray. Father, we worship you and we praise you and we thank you. We love you, Lord. Father, I ask for the presence of your Holy Spirit this morning to continue so heavy as he has been here through worship. I pray, Father, that your will be done. That nothing goes through my lips that is not of you. Father, I ask that you take over my mind, take over my will, my voice, my words. Speak what you would like. It is my desire that nothing come from me, but it all come from you. And Father, I pray again your will be done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. As, as I was speaking to the Lord this morning, actually it was yesterday, he shared an idea with me that, that just seems so basic, but is so necessary, especially in the times in which we live. Today is a special day. Today is a sending day, if you will. For a new couple going to Nigeria. In that, there is a step of faith that doesn't make sense. I remember the first time I went to Nigeria, and the first several times, you know, we, we have a compound now that we have, the Lord has graciously allowed us to, to build it for lack of a better word, the way we want to build it. Very different than when I was first there. And when many of us were first there. However, to go into a different culture, to go even to a place that you do not know what to expect, that you don't know what's coming, whether it be another country or whether it be Just down the road, if you are stepping into a different situation than what you are familiar with, it requires faith. Not just the faith to say, yes, I'll do it, but literally the faith to follow through. There's a cost to that faith. Now, everybody else in here and those listening to me, Perhaps you're not on the precipice of being sent to a place that you've never been before, like Gabe and Maeve. But you're still sitting at that same point of faith. What does your faith mean in your life? What does faith mean at all in your life? Is your faith simply... That Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And he came and he died on the cross for your sin. He rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit and sits at the right hand of the Father. And you have had faith enough to believe that and ask him into your heart as Savior and received eternal life. If you have that faith, that's good. If that is where your faith ends, I want to encourage you to step into him deeper. And I know most here have. But perhaps this is where you're at. Yes, Lord, I I believe you. I want you. I want your will. I want everything about what you want for my life. And he said, okay. We're going to see. We're going to prove that out. I'm going to put you in situations I expect you to believe. And we'll see if you do. See, he did that to his original disciples. We have those stories that we can read. In fact, I want to turn to one this morning. I want you to turn to John chapter 20. And this is after... Jesus rose from the dead. This was after the crucifixion, after he rose from the dead. He had already appeared to Mary. He had already appeared to a few of the disciples. But he had not yet appeared to Thomas. And we find ourselves at verse 24. And this is, the, this is where Jesus then appears to Thomas. But before he appeared, there was a moment in his life where he could follow through with what he had declared. Follow through with what he said he believed. Remember, remember, every one of the disciples said they would not leave Jesus. Every one of the disciples said they believed everything that he said. Now, one of them, we know, was there with uh, different intentions anyways, and that was Judas. But remember, all the others proclaimed Jesus was the Messiah, and that they believed him. They declared, they stood in that declaration. And Jesus said, you're all going to leave me. Just watch. And then he sectioned out Peter because Peter was so forceful with it. And we know what happened. Okay, but they had another opportunity. Because they had had the teaching of Christ all along that this was coming. Not only his death was coming, which is what was devastating to them but that his resurrection was coming. That he would live. That he would bring his kingdom here. That all these things that he said will come about. So they had an opportunity, even after leaving him, to then step and stand in the declaration of their own faith. Saying, I believe. And some of them did. But let's, let's read about Thomas here. Verse 24 in chapter 20. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Man, you would think one of those would have been enough. Do you you know what what he's speaking here? And you, you, you have to understand this. You have to understand the emotion behind what he's saying here. He was speaking through a heart of hurt. He was speaking through a heart of bitterness. Saying, you promised me all these things. You promised your kingdom. You promised this idea of you reigning and we reigning with you. Which he did. Jesus promised all of those things. And he said, look how it's turned out. There is no way I'm going to believe this. Until I see the nail prints with my own eyes. Until I feel them. You know what? It won't even be enough to see them. I have to feel them. I have to literally put my fingers into the scar or the side of Jesus where he was wounded. Man, talk about gall. I mean, imagine what it would take in pain and in hurt and in bitterness to say that. About who you believed was the Messiah. What an extraordinary statement. But that's exactly what he said. He stood firm in that. (laughs) And one of the saddest things is the beginning of verse 26. Eight days later. Now, sometimes we'll say things in a reaction. We'll say things in a reaction and then catch ourselves And you know what? Lord, forgive me. I I really didn't mean that. I don't feel that way. I, I take all that back. I really do believe you. But he didn't. He didn't. Eight days later, he stayed in his disbelief. He stayed in his bitterness, in his hurt. And if you know anything about bitterness and hurt... It consumes you. It consumes you. It doesn't hold still because bitterness and hurt is of the enemy. That reaction is of the enemy. And what is his plan? His plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not, well, let's get them to this level of ineffectiveness and then I'll leave them alone. No. He gets you to a level of ineffectiveness. Then he goes in for real damage. Eventually going in for the kill. He will never stop. His, joy, his desire is for all of God's redeemed, certainly his children, but even those who have that opportunity. He wants them all dead. He wants them all gone. He doesn't want them around. He hates them. Because literally, that's what caused his fall in the first place. That jealousy, that pride. So eight days later, verse 26. The disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. And look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. I don't know about you, but have you ever been called out for something? Imagine being called out by God in front of everybody, in front of all of your brothers and sisters. You're being called out by God. Saying, I heard your declaration. I heard your stand. So here I am. Put your fingers in my wound. Put your fingers into my side. It's, it's time for you to believe. Because you must believe. Imagine how he must have been feeling at that moment. Then verse 28, Judas, or, uh, Jesus, sorry, Thomas, he responds and says, my Lord and my God. I don't think there's anything else he could have exclaimed. Imagine the realization at that point. Imagine that, that you declared, I will not believe until I see it. And then he comes and he shows. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. There is a blessing for those who believe. There is a blessing for those who have faith when faith doesn't make sense. When that faith is not dependent upon proof. By the way, That's not faith. If it depends upon proof, it's not faith. There was no faith that Thomas used here. It was not faith for Thomas to then say, I believe you're Jesus. Because he just saw. He just saw the wounds. He just saw every piece of it. There was no faith involved in that. And if you are to believe what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 then you know that there is no pleasing God without faith. There's no pleasing Him without choosing to believe without seeing. And it goes much more beyond accepting Him as Savior. Do you you know that Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about the foolishness of the world, that they are still held accountable Whether they have seen Jesus or know about him or not. Because by the mere look at creation, you see that there is a creator. By looking at life, you see that there is a giver of life. So there has to be a level of faith. In believing without seeing. This is where we all find ourselves right now. We're stepping into and have been in very different times. Right? I've been alive, I'm going to be 58. I've been alive long enough to see the change. You call it the change in seasons. Right? America has changed a lot. The world has changed a lot. First of all, the world's gotten smaller. Right? I I remember back when when you had party lines on the phone. (laughs) Most people in here, most kids have no idea what that is. That's calling up everybody and saying, let's have a party. No, that's not what a party line was. A party line was that you and your neighbor and maybe a couple of neighbors shared the same phone number and the same line... And you'd get on and you'd hear somebody talking, oh, sorry, yeah, just, I'll try back in five minutes. And you have to wait till they get off, right? Now everybody has a cell phone. (laughs) Now everybody has sometimes more than one cell phone. They have ways of communicating that are way beyond just a single one. You have messaging, you have email, you have texting, you have blah, 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 blah. Right? Things have changed. This country has changed. You know what else has changed? The thought and the awe of who God is. This nation has changed in that. This world has changed in that. Satan's agenda moves forward for decades at a rapid pace. I remember when prayer was taken out of schools. This was long before most of you were born. We have young, most young people here. I remember when abortion was made legal. I remember when these things that have literally altered our country came about and happened. The faith of this nation has changed. But do you know why? It's because the faith of the church has changed. The faith of the church went from, I'll stand, with my arms held high and heart unabandoned, I'll stand believing in who you are, surrendering to what you want and your will is, going from that stand to... More of a thought of individual. Well, Lord, you may not work with this country, but you know I believe you'll work with me because I really need to make my mortgage this month. I really need this new job. I need this relationship. God, I've been without a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I've been out without one for too long. Or, or Lord, uh, you know, you want me to. I, I want to be married, and and you know, it's just not coming. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you because I need. That's not a heart abandoned. That's not even a heart standing. Because when you stand, it's about Him. Like Gabe and Maeve. Leaving for Nigeria. If it's about them going, they're making a mistake. First of all, if it's about you guys and comfort and, you know, whatever, you just picked the wrong path. But see, it's not. It's because of the Lord's path and what He wants. And that requires a step of faith that is more than just words, more than just, I believe. It takes action of stepping. It takes action of following through with what you say. Believing without seeing. You know, there's another example in the Word of God that is so opposite of Thomas but it's exactly where the Lord wants us to be. I want to read it. Turn to and you you all know this story. Turn to Abraham we're going to talk about Abraham. Turn to Genesis chapter 22. And many of you know just by hearing that chapter that we're going to be talking about his offering of Isaac. But when you really dig into this chapter, when you really dig into this situation, you really pull out of it how extraordinary it is. As we're reading through this, I want you to picture yourself in the story. And God may not be asking you to do the same exact thing. That's not the point. Ask yourself, do you have the faith to step in a promise that the Lord has given you, where you see no evidence of it. In fact, you see the opposite of that evidence. Let's start verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham. Got, and now, by the way, this is already after Isaac. Obviously, Isaac was there. He was born. But, but it's, he wasn't just a little baby. And he probably wasn't just a little boy either. It doesn't say how old Isaac is in this, but there's some clues that give us a little bit of inference. My guess is he is probably mid-teenager, maybe even a bit more. Okay, We know he is old enough and strong enough to have carried all the wood. And when we read it, you'll you'll see that that literally Abraham, who was he was a hundred years old, you know, over a hundred because he had him when he was hundred, he 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 uh, pro- probably didn't want to carry it himself. Whether he could or not, I don't know, but he certainly wouldn't have wanted to, right? So he put it onto Isaac's back. So we're not talking about a little kid who doesn't know what's going on. Also, notice as we read through this that that Isaac recognized that they were going up to worship and to sacrifice, he recognized that there wasn't a sacrificial lamb. So he was old enough to understand that something was missing. Man, I wish, yet you ever read stories in the Word of God and, and wish that you could sit down and talk with these people? It's like, dude, you got to fill in a few more details here. I mean, mean, it's the human aspect of it that we we want to get in your head. We want to understand the emotion of what you're going through because we can identify with that. Why do you think God didn't put some of those identifiable emotions in these stories? Because he wants you to press in. Trust me, he'll fill them in if you press in. Let's start. God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Verse 2, take your son. And the Lord just kind of really gets it in there. Your only son. Remember the promise that God made to him. That his lineage would encompass the stars of the sky. The sand of the of the seashore. That he would be the father of many nations. So here's God saying, take your son. Yeah, your only son. The only way that those promises can even be possible. Take that son, Isaac, whom you love so much. It's like he's really pushing it in here. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, right here is where I would love to talk to Abraham. And say, okay, I just got to know. Tell me what your first thoughts were. Tell me, once you work through your first thoughts, tell me what your first declaration was to the Lord. Because, see, I would almost guarantee you, his first thought would be, is that the Lord? <laughs> wait wait a second, because it's an abomination to offer your children to gods. Abraham knew that. It's an abomination. And yet, God is asking him to do that. First thing in my mind would be, okay, I got to test this spirit, (laughs) right? We got to test this spirit. This can't be the Lord. This can't be you, Lord. You promised me blah, 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 blah. And now you're taking away the very foundation of that promise. I don't understand. So I don't know what all worked through Abraham's mind. And it really probably doesn't matter. Because what matters is the declaration. What matters is his answer. What matters is the step that he takes in that faith. Not the fact that I say, I believe, but that I take that step in that belief. You could say, I believe all you want means nothing until you take that step in belief. So verse 3, the next morning, Abraham got up early. So whatever happened, he came to the conclusion that he was going to trust. He came to the conclusion that he believed. Not, Not so much that the outcome he understood, but he believed that it was God's voice. He believed in the promises that God gave him. And the very next morning, he got up and he stepped in that faith. He walked in that faith. Verse 3, the next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac, Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set it out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. Now this is another point. Where I'd love to sit down and talk with Abraham. What led him to make that statement? His conversations with the Lord? We don't know. The Lord didn't include that in here. But whatever it was, confirmed to Abraham that his son would not be touched. The Lord didn't tell him that. In fact, it says in here, just the Lord said to go. How many times in our own lives that we know a step we're supposed to take with the Lord. And then we work through this process in our hearts of our own faith walk and what we need to do with it. Until finally coming to the conclusion, yes, Lord, I will step. And then we physically do so. We always do that. We work it in our minds. And in fact, that is where Satan tries to get in to discourage. When he tries to bring in human reasoning as to why not to do something. See, I could lay out human reasoning for not going to Nigeria all day long. I could give you the, the same thoughts that, that were in my heart and mind five years ago when I went for the first time. Not knowing a soul. Not having a compound there. Not knowing where I would sleep. Not knowing who I would be with. Not knowing what, what trouble might be there waiting for me. I had no idea. I had no idea even... I mean, thank goodness you didn't have to jump through all the, ho- all the hoops that you have to now... Just getting on an airplane. It's just ridiculous. But the point is, I knew two things. I knew the Lord wanted me to go. And I knew I was going to go. That was it. It didn't matter beyond that. See, that's what the Lord is asking for your life. He's not asking you to reason out the things that He is asking you to do and to lay out some plan that now seems reasonable in your mind. If reason is one of your benchmarks for what you're doing in faith before the Lord, you're already on a wrong path. Please, please understand that. Because faith, which pleases the Lord is something that you cannot measure. It's something that you cannot fully understand. You can't see a pathway for. God has given us many promises with ignition. Many things that are over this country, over the world, for that matter. And yet, just like Abraham, just like Thomas even, We have the situation of what swirls around us, which is literally opposite of what the Lord has promised us. So then do we react to that in that uh, I must have got something wrong. Let me reason why things are the way they are. See, there's no stepping in that faith. There's no stepping in that faith. Faith is something that you step in. All you have to know is that it's God. That's all you have to know. You don't have to know all the ins and outs. You just have to know it's God. And by the way, I don't belittle that point. Don't step in faith in something you think might be God. You know, He will always... In your relationship with him, he will always let you know that it's him. If you pursue it. The Bible says, Revelation chapter 3, you seek him, you'll find him. Right? It's not, if you seek him, he might be home Thursday afternoon. You know, if you seek him, you'll find him. He promises that. Don't make a move without finding him. But the problem is reason gets in there. Things have to make sense. This is where it's extraordinary to me because there are people in the bride that have different giftings. There are people that have giftings of faith. One of the things that really fights that gifting hard is someone who also has a gift of analytics. It's almost like the two fight each other. Because analytics is filled with logic. A plus B equals C. Which is good and which is fine. But the problem is... What happens when it doesn't? What happens when God says, I'm going to tell you to do an act that will come against the very promise I've made in your life. And he doesn't explain why. That's where Abraham was at. And Abraham had built a relationship with the Lord knowing his voice Intimacy with him. We know in in Hebrews 11 that it says that his faith increased daily. This wasn't just after this story. In fact, it was from the moment that God gave Abraham the promise. Then 25 years later was when he had Isaac in the first place. 25 years In that 25 years, his faith increased daily. He stepped in faith daily, increased it daily. And then however long it was before this story came about, let's say that it was 12 years later, 15 years later, whatever it was. Imagine the faith that it took. For him to step in that and just say, I trust you. Let's keep reading. So Abraham places verse six. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where's the sheep for the burnt offering? (laughs) I don't know what was running through Isaac's mind at this time, but I will guarantee you he had no idea. He had no idea. He's starting to wonder, just thinking, okay, we're missing something. Something's a little off here. Verse 8. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Okay, here's the third time. I'd like to sit down with Abraham and ask him, what in the world were you thinking here? But, you got to have Isaac come too, because I need to ask him the same thing. Because see, in Abraham's mind, I think by this time we have a pretty clear picture that he is moving forward with what God tells him to do, because God has a plan. He doesn't know how it's going to turn out. He doesn't know what's going to come out of it. He just trusts in God's promises. But I'd love to ask. <laughs> okay Isaac. You're going up the hill. You notice there is nothing to sacrifice. No lamb. No sheep. Nothing to offer. You're going up the hill. You, you see the fire in your dad's hand. You're carrying the wood. And you see this big old knife. So clearly he has in his mind. There's something that's going to be offered. And he said... No, 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 God will provide. So you step in faith. Isaac said, okay, God must have told him there's going to be a lamb up there. That's kind of cool. I don't have to carry that too or drag it behind me. How awesome. He gets up there, his dad's arranging the wood and they're going through the preparation and everything else. and, And then all of a sudden, he starts to tie up Isaac. What I want to ask Isaac is, how did you react? What were your thoughts right here? I really want to know. Did his dad have to subdue him and tie him down? You know what? In my heart, I don't think so. I think Isaac, through the conversation they had, first of all, Abraham didn't tell him because Abraham didn't know. I think Abraham the entire time is thinking, yeah, there's probably a lamb up there. God's just really testing me. Lord, we're getting near the top of the mountain. God, you realize I only got, you know, this last ledge and we're there. I'm really hoping to see. I can't hear a bath. Okay, there's got to be something up here, Lord. Right? I don't know if Isaac knew. But I know he was strong enough to carry all the wood and yet apparently not strong enough to keep from being bound and run away. That's why I believe he knew. I think he stepped into the same faith that Abraham had. I can only imagine the the emotion that was going through both of them as he's tying up his son. And, and, I mean, what a, what a unimaginable thing. Do not, do not, do not ever say God would never. Because it spits in the face of Abraham. It spits in the face of so many in the Word of God that gave everything in their faith. Don't say God would never. Unless it's something that Scripture says He would never do. He will never lie. You could say that. God will never lie. He will never leave you or forsake you. You could say that. Because God said that to you. He promised that. Don't circumstantially say, God would never. God would never send me to Nigeria. God would never make me a pastor. God would never make me leave the things that I love. God would never. Guess what? If you find yourself saying that, I'm going to declare something to you that you're not going to like. God probably will. Right? God probably will. If you say he will never, it's almost like a challenge to the Lord. Alexis has a great story about this. Growing up, the one thing, one thing, one thing. Don't send me to Africa. God would never, she even said that to me, God would never send me to Africa. I'm going to Nigeria, yeah, but he would never send me. You have a good time. She's going on the trip today, and I think this is her fourth time or fifth time, something like that. Don't say God would never. Say whatever you will, whatever you want, Lord. So he goes and he binds him. And laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Verse 10, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Whew. Now, from God's point of view, I know he had this whole thing in hand. But from Abraham's point of view, can you imagine actually lifting the knife? Actually lifting the knife. Now, in his mind, just believing God's got it. Even if he kills his son, God's got it. God will maybe resurrect him. I don't know what God will do, but God's got it. You know, I I don't know. I think think the the Lord released angels over this to say, okay, the second he gets that knife up there, you you hold his hand. You don't allow that knife to come down. I'm sure that's the case. And imagine how (laughs) I would have been... Nervous if I was one of the angels. Just watching for his hand to get up there so I could hold it. right? But imagine the faith that was walking through this moment. One of the most amazing faith moments in history. In history. It was showing also, it was a foreshadowing of what God would do for his children. Offering his own son. As a sacrifice. He didn't hold back the knife. He offered Jesus Christ. Who is God. Who inserted himself. Into his own creation. Became a man. Lived a sinless life. And offered that life on the cross. For our sins. For yours and for mine. And upon his death went to hell for three days, scripture says, to set the captives free. Then by the power of the Holy Spirit, because death could not hold him, he was raised from the dead, spent 40 days with people being seen. That's that's the story that we read earlier. And then ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father until the Father makes his enemies his footstool. See, this is a foreshadowing of what God was going to do, the sacrifice that God would make. So Abraham lifts up the knife, verse 11, at that moment the angel of the Lord called to him from from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. He said, yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Verse 12, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh, we we call it Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. By the, by the way, don't be confused where, where it says in, at the beginning of verse 15 and also before where it says Abraham, Abraham, where it says the angel of the Lord. This is, this is God that is speaking this. It, it is not an angel. This is God. And, and your evidence of that is what he said, that, that uh, I swear by my own name. At the end of verse 16, I will certainly bless you. Verse 17, I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. Okay, now here's the extraordinary thing. He didn't change the promise. I mean, you, you, you would think in your mind, well, he was just obedient and, and just followed through in, in this just amazing step of faith that, that maybe God would add in something more into the promise. But he didn't. What he said was now, by your obedience, it is solidified. I said this last week. Do not assume that when you have a prophecy over your life, that it will just automatically come true. Well, God God said this, and so I'm just kind of waiting for it to happen. That's not how it works. He said it to give you faith, to step in that faith. That's what He wants. He wants for us to walk in that faith, not just to believe it, Not just say, yeah, yeah, awesome, I believe it. Let me know when it happens. He expects us to step in it, to walk in it, to move in it. It is through that obedience that He moves in those promises. He's waiting for the bride. To not only say they trust him. But to actually trust him. To move in what he has said. Without reasoning in their mind what he probably meant. Because it's not happening. Everything's opposite of what you say. So so let me reason in my mind that maybe, maybe it's for a different time. Maybe... I got something wrong. Now, what I encourage you to look at is pressing into Him. Pressing into Him, even for understanding of that step. Just like Abraham, He may not give you all the information, He may expect your obedience before you have the information. But when you know it's him, you don't have to have all the parameters to say yes and to step. Just give him your declaration and say, I'll stand. With arms held high and heart abandoned is what it says on the song. Do you know what that means, to have a heart abandoned? It's, it's one that you give over to whatever he wants. You don't put your own parameters on your heart. It is for him and him only. And you offer him a life by standing that's fully surrendered to him. Gabe and Maeve, I want you guys to come up here. And any any of those in here that are part of the court team, I want you to come forward. We're going to pray. Over this couple, because of their movement today, we're we're all leaving this afternoon to head down to uh, give that to Alexis there. Um, to head down to I say down, it's really across. I said to Nigeria, yeah, across and then down. Um, but we're going to pray over these two because there is a protection that will be prayed over you, but more than that, there is an understanding of this faith step that you're taking. You're putting feet to your faith. You know what the Lord has laid on your heart because of your own personal walks with him, your own personal relationships. This wasn't anything that anybody else told you, and you might have told each other. I don't know, that's between you two. You're one. (laughs) But it's about what you know before the Lord. You're choosing to be a representative for him. You're choosing to be representatives for Ignition, this, this ministry, this work. And if you let him, the Lord will do amazing things in your lives. So I'm going to have Wendy, I'm going to have you pray. Alexis, I'm going to have you pray, and then I will pray. Wendy, while you're praying, I'm going to uh, anoint them both. And we're just praying protection in the Lord's will.
1: Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. My God for just sending the and Gabe Lord God, over to where you called them to be, Lord God. I pray, Lord, my God, that you give them a mindset, Lord God, that this is your desire, my God, for them to be where you want them to be, Lord. Yes. For them, oh, Lord, Lord God, to take up this charge, oh, Lord God, to do what you want them to do, Lord God. As Greg said, Lord God, no one told them that they needed to be in Nigeria, Lord God. You told them. And God, when they hear your voice, Father, you ask that we step. Step and continue to walk, my God, until you tell us to stop, Lord God. I pray over them and give right now. God. I pray that you encourage their heart, Lord, Lord God. I pray that you give them the strength. My God, to do exactly what you ask them to do, Lord God. But my God, I pray that you quiet the noise, oh Lord God. We'll let them know, that that's telling them, Lord God, that this is not what they need to do at this time, my God. Even as a young couple, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, my God, that you will build them up to a place, Lord God, as many, my God, that will look, my God, later on, my God, will see, Lord, what you and you alone can do, my God, and the heart, my God, I surrender to you, Lord. I pray, oh, Lord God, that you will cover them, protect them, oh, Lord God, from anything that the enemy may try to put it at them, my God. Yes. Any thoughts, my God, that the enemy may try to give them, Lord oh, God, that maybe we make a mistake. My God, I pray, Lord oh, God, that you will lead lead and direct, my God, just like we heard, my God. But Abraham did, Lord oh, God. Abraham knew, Lord oh, God, that, that, that killing someone, Lord oh, God, was against you, Lord oh, God, but yeah. He agreed with you, Lord God, and he stepped, my God, and Lord God, you showed up. And the same with them, oh Lord God. I pray, my God, in any voice, my God, I will tell them, Lord God, that this is not where they need to be, my God, and they made a mistake, Father. That you will show up and let them know faithful you are, my God, to carry them, my God, through this. Oh, my God, I pray. In the name of Jesus, my God, you give them, my God, a sense of purpose, my God, where they're going right now, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus, my God, let them see you. In everything that they do, my God, even for the people that surround me, God, that need you, Lord God, we pray that there will be a light that will shine so brightly in that place, Lord God, that many of those Nigerians, my God, will watch and see, Lord God, and want to know the God that they serve, my God, and want to know why they're shining the way that they are, Lord God, and they'll be able to tell them, Lord God, that it's you, Lord God, and you can do the same for them, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus, my God, use them mightily, Lord God. Use them, Lord God, and use them up, Lord God, so you can fill them again, Lord God. To do what you're calling them to do father i pray in the name of jesus my god and i thank you lord god also lord by the god you build a relationship my god it's a place oh my god that only you can Lord god yes we look at them as a as a, as a newly married couple Lord god not not even three months yet oh my god but god i pray my god that when they when they come back to this land oh my god that everyone will look at them and see my god that they may be been married for 50 years, Lord God, because of the, the wisdom and the understanding that you would give yes. them, my God, I pray. In the name of Jesus, my God, yes. only you can do such a thing, Lord God. I thank you, and I pray for what you will do in their life, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Father, we just love you, God. We praise you. Lord, I stand before you now in unity with my brothers and sisters, God, and with all of Ignition. Everyone whose hearts are joined together before your throne on behalf of Gabe and Maeve. Lord, and their faith step to, to just obey, obey and follow you wherever you lead them, God. And right now, it is to Nigeria. And we are just so thankful, God. So thankful for how you move through a laid-down life. God, you are a wonder. You are mighty. You are holy. And God, I thank you. I thank you for what you are doing, for the demonstration of of your love, your power, and your will being done in two hearts that desire you, God. Thank you, God, for this calling and this path that you have for them, God. You said to call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Father, I declare that over Gabe and Maeve in Nigeria, that you will show them great and mighty things as you work through them every single day, God. Things they do not know, for they do not even know what the land is like yet. Mm -hmm. That they are jumping off a cliff knowing that you have them. You already have your arms around them. How could they fall? So, Father, I ask this morning in the name of Jesus. That you would give them spiritual eyes. Give them eyes to see and ears to hear beyond the human realm. This is not even our real reality. This is just a mere shadow. God, to the real reality that is in the Spirit. So God, I pray that you give them wisdom, discernment, Lord. That you would allow them to hear your voice with such clarity as they live and move and have their being in this territory, God to come against the enemy's kingdom, God, to bring light and hope and the answer being you, Lord Jesus, to a people that um, so many are lost and hopeless and hurting, God. I pray, God, that as they join forces with the other believers there, God, that the unstoppable force of your spirit would just, Lord, just catapult them forward into just an amazing um, bringing of your kingdom, among the people there. Oh, God, you have such mighty great plans, Lord. And, and God, it it has nothing ultimately to do with us except you choose to work through your people. So I thank you, God. God, I know this is their heart, but we are so honored and so blessed to be a part of what you are doing. God, we want to be where you are. We want to be walking in what you are breathing on. For there is nothing else. There is nothing else. So I pray, God, That you would give them that lens. That every morning they would awake and say to you, God, that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, that that verse, Psalm 118.23, does not give the details of circumstances. It just says, you made this day, and I will rejoice. It is your breath in our lungs. So I pray, God, that you would help them to seek your face. That more than anything else, they would have that spirit lens to know and see what you are doing, God. And that they would just walk in bold confidence to know, God, that as long as they are following what you give them, they will have every single thing they need, both in provision as well as in ability to accomplish tasks and go wherever you take them to go in that land. So I just thank you, God, and I praise you. And I I just, I know that you have amazing, amazing things uh, for them and for this work, God, because it is all you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Father, we worship you and we praise you. I thank you for Gabe and Maeve. I pray, Lord, that your power rests upon them. In Jesus' name, I release Your Holy Spirit to infiltrate every piece of their life. In Jesus' name. Father, you have said that giftings would be opening quickly. Father, I pray into that in full agreement. Do your will. You have called them, they have stepped in obedience. Father, now equip. Equip them for what you have planned. And the Lord has said to me that you will be all over the world. Nigeria is the first stop. But if you step in obedience to him, he will never cease to cause wonders in your walk. Father, we believe that. And we stand in agreement, unified together, in your protection over this couple, in your plan for the puzzle pieces that they fit into. Father, do your perfect will. In Jesus' precious name. So we're just, we're just going to close here. Um, but I want to encourage you. Faith without works is dead. What are the works? It's the obedience. Faith without obedience is not faith. It's running your mouth. Don't just run your mouth. Walk in the obedience of what he has told you to walk in. And he will blow you away. He will amaze you. It will cost you. And it may even take time, which is so anti-American. But expect it. Because it's about Him. It's about your relationship with Him. He is calling for something much greater than He has to this day. It is no longer a choice to step halfway. Just trust him and be obedient. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the examples that you give in Scripture of faith. Thank you for the tremendous faith that we can look at in Abraham. How he trusted you no matter what. He didn't know how it would play out. I'm sure he had guesses, but he didn't know, he had no idea. But he walked in obedience because he knew that your promises were true and that you were a God that did not lie. He trusted you. And the promises have been fulfilled. Many of the promises. Some still yet to be fulfilled. Because it says in Hebrews that he believed in a city whose foundations were built by you. Father, that is literally what you're doing now. You have told me this. You have told many of us this. So Abraham's faith has as much to do with right now as it did back then. Help us to pour our faith into things yet unseen, even when things look opposite. Help us to step in that faith, step in that belief. And just like the song says, help us to stand. Stand believing you. Outwardly, letting people know what we believe and whose child we are. We worship you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.